Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet and do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612, Craftsman offer valid through 619, U.S. only. You bring your phone everywhere. Work, school, the movies... Now you can bring it to an Xfinity store for an easy way to switch to Xfinity Mobile, a new kind of network designed to save you money. You can get up to five lines of talk and text included with Xfinity Internet at no extra cost, so all you pay for is data. It's never been easier to switch to Xfinity Mobile and keep the phone you love. Click here to see how. Sorry, I gotta take this. Restrictions apply. Limited to select mobile phones. Requires activation of a new line of Xfinity Mobile. Up to five devices per account. New Xfinity Internet customers limited to up to two lines pending activation of Internet service. Welcome to the Tour Junkies Fantasy Golf Podcast, presented by 18 Birdies, the most popular golf app in the business. You need to download it if you haven't already. This is the WGC Mexico Podcast. Let's do it. What's up, golf addicts? Thanks for downloading the Tour Junkies Fantasy Golf Podcast. This is the WGC Mexico edition. We are back at Club de Golf Chapultepec. Raring and ready to go. We're going to even throw it back to last year's episode for a brief clip of when I called the clubhouse and used Google Translate to determine grass types. It was epic, and if you've heard it before and you're tired of it, I apologize. This will likely be the last time, but it's a good clip. That's coming. We're going to recap the Honda Classic. We're going to talk all about the old JT controversy going on with the fan and the profanity and all that good stuff. We're going to give you our thoughts on that. Pat and I intentionally did not talk about it so that we could have it raw and live in-person discussion on the podcast tonight. And of course, we're going to give you our key stats. We've got a little caddy insight for this week and the golf course. We're going to talk about who we like, who we don't like. We got some, we got some disagreement tonight, so it led to a little, a few more players being talked about, but we definitely have some disagreement, and uh, we're just going to have to see how it goes. So thank you guys, as always, for listening. Be sure and download that 18 Birdies app. You will not regret it. Whether you play real golf or you don't, you need to download it. It's good stuff. We're on there. Great social feed. I think you'll like it. So, uh, yeah, thanks for downloading the podcast. We hope you guys enjoy it, and may your screens be green for the WGC Mexico Championship Open. You'll get that later. Here we go. What's going on, golf addicts? It's your boy, DB, of the Tour Junkies. We are ready talk a little uh, WGC Mexico World Golf Championship first one of the 2018 season and Pat Perry how you feeling man you feeling good you get we got the Honda Classic out of the way the the brutal PGA National is behind us we're going to talk a good bit about that but how, how'd your how, how's your week going man Vince, how, how'd it go it's, it's going good now it did not go well uh at the PGA National for me in the Honda Classic uh it was kind of a crappy week but you know, it was it's just one of those things that happens. But th- here's the thing. This this course, as we talked about in, in the show before, is extremely difficult. And that's the way it played. I mean, there were a lot of guys trunk slamming on Friday. A lot of very high-owned guys trunk slamming on Friday. So I'm happy to say you and I both avoided the Terrell Hatton. We that did. That was quite chalky. That so was a good, good call there. That was a good call. I had, I had decent calls. I just didn't put together great lineups. So I ended up almost breaking even. That was about how I ended up. 
Yeah, it was one of those weeks. I had a pretty good week. I actually had the best week I've had since the career builder. Um, and that was actually with a lot of success with lineups with five of six. And it goes back to what we've talked about the last few weeks. To me, I am I am more and more convinced that having ownership leverage in your lineups can just work wonders for your bankroll. And, and even in a week like this past week where I had a lot of five of six lineups, but I had guys who were sub 10% owned. I had a lot of Alex Norin. Um, I had some Berger who kind of fizzled on Sunday. Uh, I had a, a lot of Emiliano Grillo who we mentioned on the podcast who played great on Sunday and, and had some birdies. And when you have, even when you have five of six, in weeks like this where there's a lot of carnage, um, you know, if you have the right, if you have the five guys who are owned, you know, a little bit lower, you can really make up ground. So I actually had a good week as a result. I did have a couple of six of six lineups do okay, but for the most part, uh, there was some carnage. We picked 34 golfers in total, which is a lot, Pat. We need to we need to trim that. Yeah, back Yeah, when you bit. told me that on on Tuesday, I was thinking, man, that's that's a little nuts right there. We we shouldn't have taken so many guys. Yeah, we didn't we didn't mean to do Especially that. Especially on um, a course this difficult. Yeah, uh, twelve missed the cut, which I think all in all isn't terrible considering some of the names that missed the cut. We we were able to avoid um, seven in the top twenty-five, three in the top ten. So that those numbers could have been a little better, but you know it was it was interesting. We had our chalk bomb uh, Adam Scott who barely made the weekend. He got in on the number, putting like absolute hot Indian food garbage. And then all of a sudden turns it up on the weekend and, and racks out a top fifteen. So uh, that happened. But other than that, it was uh, it was it was an interesting week. Yeah, Tiger playing really well. He played a lot better than I thought he would. Led the field in proximity. I think taking the driver out of his hand, which PGA National forced him to do, uh, was nice. But then even it seems like he's he, he may have he, he may have worked out the driver a little bit. I mean, he was bombing it. He hit some fairways. Good to see Tiger in the hunt. Um and ended up finishing tied for tw- or twelfth uh, place alone maybe I yeah, think is what very, it was. I mean it that was I was surprised and and this week more than any other so far that he's played, which I guess is now only three. But this week taught me more about him than any other ones. I mean I think if you're seeing on on a non-driver course, he putted well as he's been doing the entire comeback so far, scrambling well. Uh, another thing he's been surprisingly good at. And it's really just been that driver, which he straightened out some this week and was just bombing it. So it is, uh, I tell you, the excitement for him leading up to the Masters is only going to grow. And I don't know if we're, when we'll see him again. I don't, I don't know what tournament. Somebody asked me that today, and I don't think he's announced that who, you know, what his next tournament will be. And, and I do think he'll get in one before the, before the Masters, but, but I just don't know what he'll do. Yeah, I agree. I think we could see him. I think we could possibly see him playing too. I think the the tournament experience helped him a lot, but um, yeah, it was really good to see him play. Now, of course, we have to talk the big story of Honda of the Honda Classic is Justin Thomas's victory, which you know the guy keeps playing really, really well. You can make an argument depending on your thoughts on the world golf ranking uh, where he should stand. There, he's currently behind John Rahm uh, and obviously Dustin Johnson, but. The guy's been playing really, really good golf. He's definitely improved his short game. 
Uh, he still, you know, you still sweat the putts just a little bit, um, but his, his scrambling seems a lot better. His wedge game, it reminds me a little bit of DJ, right? Like he just came out and he was just this bomber, but then when he figured out the wedge game and he got that dialed in, he just became such a, a deadly player. And it feels like that's happening with Justin Thomas, but, uh, you know, he, he goes, goes and wins in the playoff over Luke List, who I just, man, it would have been nice to see Luke win just as a first-time winner and, and a guy who just seems like a good guy and a weekly staple on the PGA Tour in the last couple of seasons. But the, uh, there's a little, uh, little, little contro- controversy, con- controversy, controversy going on. Uh, uh, controversy? Yes, I know. I was doing that on purpose. Were you trying you to act like me? Controversy, because it feels so empty. Um, no, okay, I was not. But you know, you had some, you had some controversy, Pat. You had um, first, you had the fan, the guy <laughs> who yelled to get in the bunker. JT turns around. Who is that? Somebody says the guy in the Seminole hat, which is pretty funny to me. Um, and then Dustin tells him to have a nice day. You're out of here. Kicks him out. Now, you and I intentionally, Pat, have not spoken about this nor JT's response when he made the foot and a half putt, uh, foot and a half long putt to win the playoff and then uh, screams the big, the, the big FU and then CBS replays it. Now, we have not shared our opinions on this to each other nor on Twitter, so we can have a, a raw live in the moment discussion right now it may turn out to be nothing we may totally agree and we move on or we may disagree so i say first of all pat what do you think about the fan and what do you think about jt's reaction well first off jt proclaims to be this huge bama fan which he is obviously he's a huge bama fan um I don't know if he would last like two seconds being a Bama player if this is his attitude on the course when one guy says, now look, I will first off say, I do not, I don't condone, I hate the whole mashed potatoes and whatever else thing, yelling in people's backswings. I I disagree totally with that. I, I just, it's just ridiculous. Growing up a fan of golf, going to the Masters, which I think has the best patrons in the world, uh, it's just, I just can't stand it. But to sit there and have a guy thrown out because he heckled you or said something like that, yes, it's a gentleman's game. You're not supposed to root for somebody to go in the bunker. But I, I just thought it was a little bit ridiculous, and I thought it was a little bit just – it was he just didn't think before he did it. He, it was in the moment, and it was an overreaction. And, you know, you look at this – like, look at an NFL player or somebody. Like that. They have fans yelling at them constantly saying a lot worse stuff than that. Same with the NBA, where you got the you got you know the the you got the people right there on on the court yelling at players. I just thought it was a little bit ridiculous, and I thought it was a bad look for him. I, I didn't like it. Um, you know, again, the the player or the the fan just shouldn't yell like that. But to have him kicked out, I thought was a little bit um, kind of uppity you know, holier-than-thou type, type deal. When I guarantee you when JT's watching an Alabama game, he's yelling just whatever, saying all kinds of crap, yelling at players, doing whatever. So that's my take. <laughs> 
Well, I uh, you know I want to know have we figured out if that's uh, you know Uncle Uncle List like like the drunk Uncle List you know like Luke's uncle somewhere you know trying to troll on him a little bit. I, I want to know who this guy is. Like I think the fan should come out. I think that'd be pretty funny. I think the fan needs to show up somewhere and do an interview and talk about it. But I think that ninety percent of the time when somebody does something like that on air. All they want to do is be able to go back and watch a, a replay of it and hear their voice. And hear themselves, be, yeah. Being an idiot. That, that's that's all it is, which is stupid in itself. It's so dumb. Well, there's a ton of people who have talked about it, you know, uh, already today that, you know, there's probably a bet involved or it could have been a bet involved. You know, you had the guy streaking at the waste management not too long ago. Same thing. Obviously, there's alcohol. Like, you're naive to think yeah. that there's not alcohol involved. But um, now, if you're at yeah. the Ryder Cup, and your name happens to be David Barnett, and I believe Thomas Peters is in front of you hitting a shot, and right when he hits the shot, you yell, Tour Junkies. I'm okay with that. You can do that. That's true. I can't believe you remember that. You can do that anytime you want. Anybody out there, if you're at a, if you're at a tournament, I would pr- preferably the Ryder Cup because it's a little bit more, you can you can do that and, and feel a little bit more comfortable, not the Masters or anything like that. Yeah, please don't do it but, at the Masters. But if you're at the Ryder Cup in, in France... You know, we'll be there, and you want to yell tour junkies right after the shot, not not in the middle of the shot. We'll coach you on this. I might be okay with that. <laughs> I forgot all about that. You're right. He had, We were, like, walking to the concessions, and he bombed one way off to the left of the fairway, like, right in front of us. So we just posted up, and then the camera was right there. It's the Ryder Cup. Camera's on every single shot, every single player. And Peters walks up, and we're right there in front, you know, right there by the camera. So I knew it, it would get captured, and... Yeah, so as soon as he got done hitting, I just said tour junkies. And I'm like, hopefully somebody's sitting there on their couch going, tour junkies? Really? Uh, what is that? And they Google, and here we are. So, uh, yes, that is completely condoned by, by this podcast. Um, not at the Masters, though. Not at the Masters. <laughs> no. We would be stalked and murdered. We, uh, um, please don't do that. <laughs> go, going back to the whole situation. So I, I agree with you 100%. I think that the guys who yell this kind of stuff are complete knuckleheads. Now... The question is like the question is you know is, is it a the generations are changing right like this is not this is not our grandfather's game we're not wearing suits to the course the players aren't wearing ties it, it is a it is a little bit different you've got a lot of young guys on tour who are a little more animated a little more outspoken um, obviously very competitive. And just sporting fans in general feel a little more irreverent now in any sport, obviously golf, uh, more so than ever. So, you know, is this a generational thing that is just here to stay and there's really not much we can do about it unless the tour wants to do something about it? Now, there's that whole angle is that a lot of people think that the tour should be the ones policing these guys, having them kicked out for doing stupid stuff. Now, you know, if you yell, the, the tour, then the tour has to decide where they draw the line. Do they draw the line if you say something that is obviously a rooting, a rooting interest against a player, then you're kicked out. But if you say Baba Booey or mashed potatoes or something stupid, you're allowed to stay. Um, I mean, I think it would be difficult for the tour to take somebody who's paid a ticket and you're serving alcohol to, to, to say, oh, you said mashed potatoes. We just think that's dumb. You're out. That's hard to do. So then you have to draw the line of, well, if it's something that's a rooting interest against a player, it's just unsportsmanlike, we're not going to have it. Then they have to enforce that, which definitely becomes becomes interesting. Uh, and again, the whole factor that they're making a lot of money selling $12 beers to these guys all day on the golf course. But um 
you know, so so I, I think the guy's a knucklehead that said it. It's obviously dumb. I don't think he deserved to get thrown out and embarrassed. I mean, maybe he wasn't embarrassed, but I, I don't think that should have happened. I, I definitely agree that Justin acted in emotion and in the moment. Uh, he wouldn't have even he reacted so quickly. He didn't give the he wouldn't have been able to give the tour time to decide to throw the guy out. I mean, he immediately turned around. Who is it? Tell me who it is. Have a nice day. You're out of here, buddy. And that's the tour's cue to remove the guy. Well, I mean, but, since when do the players get the uh, you have the authority to do that anyway? I mean, you could a player could decide he doesn't like freaking. I mean, anything. And I mean, it just there's. I don't know. I, I think it. You just can't have it both ways. I mean, these guys, they want, they want, their purses are going to get higher. The more interest it comes to the game, the more you bring in the DFS people, the, the gamble, whatever it is, they are new to the game and they, they want that because it's going to help grow their game. It grows their, their, their prize money, everything else. If you want that, it, you, you can't have it both ways and then say, okay, well, if, if there's some, unruly fans out there i can pick them out of the crowd and throw them out whenever i want to or whatever it's just you know the the guy paid for a ticket yeah what he did was dumb you know he went out there and enjoy his day but i mean it's not like he he came out there and said my agenda is going to be you know on whatever t to yell at at jt to get it in the bunker and then get or i guess some kind of warning would be nice like even if a tour official just walked up and said hey man if you say anything like that again you're out of here. It's unsportsmanlike. We don't want to have it. Our players don't want it. It's not how we want to represent, you know, a PGA Tour event. But so, so here's what I'll say. Do I think JT made the wrong decision? Yes. But can I understand the decision in the moment when you're in a playoff, you're trying to win a golf tournament, you're competitive as anything, and JT is. He's a fiery competitor, which I love. And, 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 and that's – so that's okay. In the moment – do I understand the decision completely? Do I am do I if I do I think it's it's bad enough and justifiable enough that if I was a JT fan now all of a sudden I'm not? No, I think that's dumb. Like all these people are like, oh, JT lost a lot of fans today. Well, if if you if you are all of a sudden now not a fan of Justin Thomas after that, you probably weren't much of a fan of Justin Thomas anyway, which is yeah. fine. Like you, you're probably you're probably more of a fan of Freddie Couples and Phil Mickelson and Ricky Fowler and all the smiley, happy-go-lucky guys who there's never any controversy around who aren't you know the the demonstrative fiery competitor. You know they're you know they're competitors, but you probably weren't that much of a fan of him anyway. Because if you think about it for three seconds and put yourself in the moment. It's very easy to see how a 24-year-old or 26-year-old, whatever he is, could make that decision in the moment and want to, want to, you know, flash the ego. You know, he's 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 in a position of power, authority. You know, he's got the ego going. He's hot. He's ready to roll. He's ready to win. He's competitive. You, you can totally understand that. So for that reason, I don't. JT loses zero points in my book. He just made the wrong decision in that one instant of a moment. Yeah. Well, did he knock it down the middle of the fairway too? Yes. So, I think so. <laughs> you would think his reaction would have been different. Like, a, hey, you know, unless they put bunkers right in the freaking middle. I which, mean, I mean I he guess. could have turned that like a totally different way, and just yeah. like been like, a, you know, hey, suck it. Probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> we're a PG podcast. <laughs> okay, so so then so then comes the he's up on the green, he makes the putt, and he screams the F yeah. Okay. Mm. Love now it. now now here here's I 
Will Gray posted this on Twitter, and this is a quote from Justin Thomas from earlier in the same week. He said, this is Justin Thomas, but it's those certain fans that are choosing to yell at the wrong times or just saying stuff that's completely inappropriate. It's one thing if it's just you and I talking, but when you're around kids, when you're around women, when you're around families or just people in general, some of the stuff they're saying to us is just extremely inappropriate and there's really no place for it anywhere, but especially on a golf course, which is I feel like golf is pretty well known as a classy sport. Now, that's a quote from Justin Thomas earlier this week. So there are a lot of people who have said that quote, you know, and then said, oh, well, then he turns around and yells F yeah for every kid uh, sitting on 18 green to hear. And, I, you know, now I don't blame him for um, the TV thing is ridiculous. Like the fact that CBS showed it 100 times in slow-mo is just absolutely I, I don't understand that, but networks have done that for years. Like they did it with Tiger, they did it. They they do it with all kind of golfers. Like they they replay that stuff all the time in in NBA and the NFL. You see it all the time. I don't understand it, but they do it. I wish they wouldn't because my kids are watching, and and I would prefer they not. Like they're gonna hear that plenty of times, but I would just prefer they not. They don't have to show that in slow motion every time. But um, that's not JT's fault. However, he, he obviously knows that cameras, cameras are on him if you're winning the, the golf tournament. But I'm sure it was a, a response. You know, Again, it's an emotional response to an emotional moment, to an emotional situation. And you know, he doesn't have to be this pure-as-the-driven-snow guy and never drop the F-bomb on the golf course. Uh, but it does strike me a little hypocritical based on what I just read. That earlier in the same week, he's talking about using certain language around kids and women and families, and then that's his go-to, you know, move when he when he makes a foot and a half long putt. That's the other thing is like, if you'd have, if you'd have drained an eighteen footer to win, I kind of actually see that a little more. But I mean, he's like a tap in, so it, was, it felt very premeditated. Like you you knew it being a tap in. I mean, he knew he's going to make the putt. So he knew if he made the putt, he's going to win. So why? So then he like it was like the, it was like the F yeah was even more premeditated, and so to to have it that premeditated on the heels of a quote like that does seem a little like come on JT like I, th- I think the real you is the guy who said the F yeah and he's basically like hey you bring your kid to a sporting event he's going to hear stuff I don't care it's me I'm going to do me that's it and that's fine. I think the 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 it, it's what I'm calling into question is the the statement he made earlier, which just sounds like a good thing to say in a media room. What what do you think? Well, I think if he could take anything back, it, it, well, for one, he'd probably take the the kick in the fan out maybe first. But I think he'd probably take that statement out first because I think that was a to me that was just him trying to be media friendly and and whatever else. And I don't I don't know if that's I mean. I'm fine with his with the F yeah and and after he's win. I mean that shows emotion. I want to see that. I mean that that's kind of that's that's what I want to see on the course. You know, Tiger used to do that. I mean, Tiger was if if you ever watched him in person, I mean, oh yeah, God was, forbid you take your kids around it because you yeah. they were learning new words every freaking <laughs> hole. So I mean, yeah, that's and and. I get it. Like he said it, and it was it was in the in the heat of winning a tournament. I'm okay too, like you say. With I mean, it's, obviously they're going to catch it 
And, you know, but replaying it and that kind of stuff, yeah, that's, there's just no reason to do that. It, it, when it happens in the, in the moment, that's fine. But I don't, I don't know. I like, I like seeing that emotion out of a guy. I think that, you know, it just shows how much it means to them when, when you see that. Even if it was a two-foot putt or one-and-a-half-foot putt, I, I don't know if I would say it was. That's a, making a huge assumption to say it might have been premeditated. Come on, man. Come on. Okay, come on. Think about that. Do you think he said you, before he made that putt that I'm going to yell out, F yeah, that's what I'm going to do? I think he did. You're standing over an 18-inch putt. You know you're going to freaking make it. And when you make it, you're going to win. And you can't think of anything. like. I'm just saying like that is such a different moment than if you drop a bomb on the putting green or you chip in from a bunker and the ball goes in and there's this sudden rush of adrenaline, sudden rush of emotion, and it's in an instant when you see that ball go in the hole. That's different than when you're standing over an 18-inch putt to win a golf tournament. And you, you know that, you know, even JT, a crappy putter, 97 times out of 100, he's going to make that putt. So... Yeah, I kind of think I, I think there is more premeditation to that. Yes, and let me just say for the record too, so I don't get hammered on Twitter. Like I am, I am a father of boys who are big sports fans, and we love going to sporting events, and I take them to sporting events, and I completely understand that they will hear stuff, and I'm okay with that. They hear stuff. They hear stuff anyway. They hear stuff at school. They hear stuff in music, TV, what movies. I get that. So I'm not like this naive, let me shelter my child. Like I hate these people who are on Twitter and I've heard them on radio today, like talking about how I don't want my kid to, I don't want my kid to hear that. I, I'm, you are naive if you just think that. I mean, if I get are, it if you don't, if they if you don't are want not like hearing your three-year-old it, to hear it. But If they're not hearing it from, you know, Justin Thomas, they're hearing it from their friends at school, folks. Okay, somebody's yeah, telling them the yeah. words. As a matter of fact, my son came to. Well, I, don't, I shouldn't even tell this story. Never mind. Forget this story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's probably he's hearing you. He's learning from you. I learned it from watching you, Dad. Well, that, let me just say, that drug this? commercial back in the nineties. <laughs> I played. I played. Yeah, that was. I do remember that one. I played golf yesterday, and one of the one of the guys happened to bring his kid along. Literally, I dropped the f bomb at least a half a dozen times before I finally <laughs> was Lord. like, "You know what? I, I what think, a role model." Yeah, that was a great, great role. But you know what? I, I didn't hit a good shot. I was in the moment. It was emotional, just like JT. Even though it was a good shot for JT, but yeah, no, okay. Um, anyway, I, that's that's enough of that. We beat that dead horse, but that was a fun debate. We had to we had to touch on. Or so I, I'm. I can go to sleep tonight feeling. Like, I've gotten out what I need to get out with JT. You? Yeah, I'm fine. I, th- I had a feeling you might think that I was going to be, like, all for the fan getting kicked out, but whatever. Go ahead. No. Sweet. All right, well, Road to Augusta. What, like five more weeks, Pat? Something that's close. Fantasy Draft is hooking you up. If you have not signed up, you have a chance to win round-trip airfare paid for a two-night hotel stay in Augusta, Georgia, paid for, food and drinks, paid for, and a Friday ticket to the Augusta National to see the second round of the Masters with myself, Pat Perry, a representative of Fantasy Draft, a couple other special guests. We will walk the grounds of the Augusta National on that beautiful day, and basically we'll just go do whatever you want to do and see whoever you want to see, and it will be a glorious day. We will have a lot of fun. And it could all be yours at no cost other than signing up for a Fantasy Draft account and playing in a GPP on Fantasy Draft. 
There's a couple ways to win. If you are not a current fantasy draft user, you need to go get an account right now using promo code TourJunkiesRG, all one word, promo code TourJunkiesRG when you sign up. You're eligible, and then you have to play in a PGA GPP on Fantasy Draft. If you play in the Tour card, which is the $25 entry, you get five points per entry for every tournament between now and Augusta. (coughs) And then you can play in other GPPs and get one point for every entry there. If you are already a Fantasy Draft user, you, you must have signed up under Tour Junkies or Roto Grinders to be eligible. If you did, you are already entered, and you are earning points for those same GPPs between now and the Masters. So get in. We will draw a lucky winner um, right around the Shell Houston Open, and it's going to be exciting. We hope you're cool, and if you're not cool, uh, we really hope you don't win, honestly. Um, <laughs> So that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, yeah. So Tour Junkies RG is the promo code. If you need to sign up, if you need the link, if you prefer a link to make sure you get in, hit us up on Twitter. You know, we'll we'll send you a link. No big deal. Uh, I'm excited about that. Also, Chalk Bomb email continues to be fire. Okay, we got to stick with the process. Stick with the process. But Ben is crushing it on the weekly Chalk Bomb email. We got new features coming, fresh new facts coming. You get those 10 facts every week that are really, really critical uh, to making some good decisions. We talk about ownership projections from our friends at Fanshare. A lot of information goes down between the time we record the podcast and Wednesday night when the email goes out. The email is free, free, 100% free. All you got to do is let us know you want in on it. And listen, here's what we did. Because we still had so many freaking people sign up for this email and not get the email, we basically, I don't know what we did. We went into, we went into MailChimp, and we basically took out everybody who we knew we did not want to get that email and then like left everybody else in. And so at this point, I feel very confident that if you ask us to get in this list, you're, you're going to get the email. And then there's also a lot of people who did not ask us who are also going to get it, and then they can just unsubscribe. Because I'm tired of this. I'm tired of it. Now, I will say, check your spam folders. We've had a lot of people say that the email wound up in their spam folder, or their promotional folder, or whatever that is, however that works. You know, MailChimp is supposed to be able to get through some of that, but sometimes it just doesn't happen. So check that, please. But if you've not, if you've not sent us an email and told us you want in on that, go to tourjunkies.com, click on the Contact Us page, and fill that out. Name, email, and just say, yo weekly email hit me up and then we'll get that to you anything else to add to that pat no that's all i think that's good all right, awesome. Move. by the way the top 10 are my favorites the the 10 facts are a lot of fun uh but also here's what you get though ben does a great job like there's always a little bit of theory involved last week i thought was really critical i mean who knew better short game over the last 18 months bill haas or phil mickelson you always think it's phil because that's all everybody ever talks about it's all the announcers ever talk about. That's what he's known for. But, you know, Ben goes through the data, and, he, and he, he kind of debunks some of the myths out there. He talked about Jason Duffner being known as a ball striker. Well, in the last year or so, his ball striking has gone down and his putting's gone up. So it's like the, the guy's changed. That's what he talked about last week. I thought it was really impactful. A good read. That was before he hit to the, you know, he got to the chalk bomb. So it is full of content. It is definitely some really good content. We're proud of it. We're proud of Ben for knocking it out. And it's good stuff. So you need to, you need to get it. It's an edge that if you're not getting, you're missing it. 
All right, Pat. Uh, it is uh, it's time for the course breakdown and uh, and key stats and all that good stuff. And we have a little special segment coming here too in the middle. So I'm going to let you go ahead and tell us about the golf course and the venue this week. Okay, so we are at the 2018 WGC Mexico, and then it just it quits after that. Like I want to say Mexico Championship, Mexico Open. Mexico something, but it just stops. 2018 WC Mexico, nothing. Well, because it's World Golf Championship. Mexico. I know. I just don't, I don't like it. Yeah. It would be weird to say World, WGC, Golf, Championship, World Mexico Golf Championship, Mexico Championship. Championship. Yeah. Let's say yeah. Open or something. Put something after Mexico. Anyway. The World Golf Championship, Mexico Open? That's dumb. <laughs> I don't care. I just don't like it. They don't say the U.S. Open Championship. All right. Well, screw it. Whatever. I don't like WGC. <laughs> Uh, in Mexico City at Club de Golf Chapultepec. Hey, pretty good there. Second year the, we nailed that. That's yeah, good. Yeah, because because this is what the second edition at Club de Golf Chapultepec. Uh, so that means what? We don't have a ton of course history. Um, it's par seventy one, seven just over seventy three hundred yards. But here's a key: here this course is seventy eight hundred. Feet, meters, yards, 7,800 feet above sea level, which means, guess what? It's going to play a lot shorter, probably around like 6,700 yards. So it's going to make this course. These guys are going to be just bombing it or can bomb it, especially with their irons. But it is, uh, and that's going to make it interesting because you got tight fairways. There's tree lines just everywhere. Uh, so they're, they're not going to take a whole lot of drivers. If you, if you listen to what DJ said the last year, when he played out here, he only hit like two to three, maybe four drivers per round, and he was the winner, obviously. Uh, so they're not going to be bombing it off the tee very much. They're going to be, you know, having to be very accurate. You got Kaki, accurate, accurate, Kakia greens. I mean, Kakia grass from tee to green. Wait a minute, what is it called? Kakia, Kakiu. Ooh, no, Kikiu. No, <laughs> I forgot Kik- what you. I forgot what your uh, what your Mexican. <laughs> Kikuya. Uh, Kikuya. Which is which is also common in South Africa. Hint hint. Wink wink. Yeah. So you got that kind of grass from Tita Green. Uh Poa Greens. We're back on Poa. God, I thought we were done with Poa. Well but it's Poa the, bent. It's like a it's like a hybrid. Yeah, but it's they're still squirrely. Uh, but they're gonna be playing extremely fast, probably around like thirteen meter uh, thirteen on the stint meter. So that is gonna be um you know, I think putting is key. You know, we don't typically always talk putting, but I do think that is going to be one of the keys this week. Um, biggest thing, I think, is that, guess what? We got another four rounds, no-cut event. So that is going to put scoring at a premium this week. Looking at stats, strokes gained off the tee was big for me. I also like greens and regulation, and I think ball striking as well. Past champions, I'm, I only listed one. I mean, this 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 tournament yeah, has kind yeah. of gone around, but it's just DJ last year because that's the only year that we've we've played on yeah. this course. Uh, so there you go. That that is kind of the quick down and dirty on the WGC Mexico Open. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I do have some late breaking caddy insight for us. Pat. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, a little late breaking. I didn't caddy even insight. see this. You didn't want to share it before the I show. Know. Well, I didn't have time. So it's, it's a little fragmented, so let me uh, try to con- summarize here. But 
He did confirm that it is Riviera at altitude, so there's a lot of people talking about Riviera being a comp course. Mm -hmm. Um, That was confirmed. He said, uh, it definitely matters off the tee to be in the fairway, and whoever gets hot with the putter is important. However, could be tough to predict on these greens. Um, If the guys keep it in play off the tee, it's a putting contest. I remember reading grain last year on these greens, which makes me feel like it puts Bermuda, but I know it's POA, is the quote. Um, not much rough at all last year. If you miss the fairway, you, all, you often rolled into the trees. So just still, like, don't miss the fairway. Yeah. Um, the greens are small, quite undulating, and fast. The course looks green, but it's quite dry here. My guess is it plays similar to last year. And this, this, our particular caddy was at the uh, at the event last year. Um, so there you go. That's that's uh, that's kind of what we got. To me, it seems like strokes gained approach, strokes gained around the green are important for me. So. I mean, I think with the altitude you mentioned, it being a 20%, it's almost like a 20%. I know the guys last year calculating like a 20% difference. With it being that that different, it, it does kind of open up it, open up anybody. Now, obviously, you know, DJ can hit a, I mean, I think somebody hit, DJ hit like a, what, what did he hit, like an 8-iron or something last year, like 210? Um, Rory did. That was actually a, a uh, Rory. that was a Rory R- quote. Roberto yeah. Castro, okay, uh, has disappeared into oblivion. Total short knocker played this thing last year and hit a hit a drive at 400 yards, which he's never done in his life. So, man, I need I, to play this course. Yeah, I, I think It'd it just great it's, for my ego. It does open it up to anybody off the tee. You just have to you just have to keep it in the short grass. So, to me, then the difference is who can who can hit these small greens on the right tier um, from the fairway is is to me the most important that and obviously scoring as you mentioned you know having uh having all four rounds you hope now here's the other thing like you only got 64 players in the field i think i saw that the 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 dead last competitor is going to make 50 grand like thanks for thanks for coming and the wgcs are known for some of these withdrawals after they start because as long as they start we had this happen with daniel berger last year or two years ago you know, they can hit one tee shot, withdraw, and they get the last place money. And that's what happened to Daniel Berger a few years ago. He hit he hit one tee shot, withdrew, and got his 50K and walked out. So, so that are you saying happen. that, that uh, strokes gained Montezuma's revenge is, is maybe could be a factor? <laughs> strokes gained strong bowels. You gotta have you gotta have a really good yeah, really good large intestine for this place is really uh, you know what what I hear. So uh, yeah, I mean there, there's always that possibility. Um, so just be prepared for that. Uh, and, and honestly, in a week like this, I do tend to scale back just a touch, just, just, just a little bit. But anyway, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And in fact, Pat, many of you, you guys may have already heard this before, but last year when this course was brand new on the rotation, a lot of questions about the type of grass and the green surfaces and all that stuff were, were coming out. And there was no real good answer. Nobody on the PJ Tour social media sites had a good answer. Like, nobody had a great answer. It was a big mystery. So before we recorded the podcast last year, I made a phone call to Club Big Golf Chapultepec using uh, trusty Google Translate. And I, I dug down to the bottom of this. And uh, we, we played this. We played this on the podcast last year. We played it. Uh, it's in the tribal 
Knowledge and TJ Origins podcast if you listen to that. But in the event you didn't hear it either time, we're going to play it one more time for you tonight just because it's funny and uh, it shows the grind, you know, the grind that we're willing to put in. So, Pat, let's, uh, let's flash back. I'm going to cue the flashback, the flashback sound, and we're going to flash back to this time, 2017, and hear about my phone call to Mexico. Here you go. And there wasn't a lot of information. In fact, in fact, yours truly spent probably 24 Verizon International Minutes on the phone this morning trying to determine what the green surfaces and rough um, was on this golf course because a lot of people on Twitter I was looking around had no clue and there was some back and forth. Is it Was it Bermuda? Was it POA? So your boy, you know, I'm working hard for you guys. Like, listen, this is why we tell you guys to freaking, like, leave us an iTunes review or buy a T-shirt because... We work really hard for nothing, <laughs> for the most part. Okay, and I spent 24 international minutes on Verizon. I don't even know. I had to Google how to make an international call just so I could call to this pro shop, right? The answer machine picks up. It's all in Spanish. And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm calling to Mexico. So I get on Google Translate, and I'm like, English to Spanish. And so I type out, um, <laughs> I type out, hello, good morning. Um, uh, I am with the media. I would like to ask questions about the WGC event. Can anyone answer in English? Okay, so that's what I typed out. And then Google translated it for me in Spanish. And I was listening, and of course the recording picks up, and it's all in Spanish. I'm like, crap, I don't know what any of this says. So I'm thinking, maybe I'll just hit zero, because that always works. And then I heard Pro Shop, and I was like, oh, Pro Shop, yes. And it's four, so I hit four, and then I get to Pro Shop, and it says, sweet young lady. And I read my, my Spanish text in a horribly southern draw, non-Spanish speaking <laughs> I way. I wish I could have gotten a recording of this. <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay, okay, hold on. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And this guy, like four or five minutes go by and I'm holding and the whole time I'm holding, I'm like, God, how much is this costing me? And this guy comes on the phone and, and I find out, okay, yes, he speaks English. Great. Okay, what type of green what type of greens do you have on the golf course? And he's like, uh <laughs> And I'm like, okay, what type of grass is on the greens of the golf? He's like, uh hold hold on. And I'm like, okay. So I hold on and like two, three minutes go by, which is a long time on the phone. International minutes, right? I don't know if I said that. And then he comes back on the phone. He's like, uh, Poa Bent. And I'm like, okay, Poa Bent. All right, all right, great. Um, What type of grass is the rough and how thick is it? How tall is it? Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hold on. I'm like, God. So another two or three minutes comes by and he's like, "Uh, Kikuya. Kikuya. (laughs) And I'm like, Kikuya. Kikuya? Yes, yes, yes. Um, can you spell that? Uh, hold on. No, 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 hold on. It's okay. <laughs> I was like, it's okay. <laughs> should, why why are you, you asking him to spell it? Just okay, go Because I it. wanted to make sure it was Kikuya and not some weird Mexican grass. And so I was like, okay, <laughs> do you know how tall it is? And he's like, oh, uh, I forgot. Hold on. No, 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 it's okay. <laughs> it's okay, thank you. It's going to be rough. 24 minutes international calling. All right, there it is, man. Um, brings back old memories, you know. Uh, they were probably wondering, you know, wh- why I didn't call this year again. But they were waiting uh, on. I it. got answers now. We got caddy insight now. I don't have to. I don't have to use my my international minutes. Um, so it was great. That was great investigative reporting. 
Yeah. I mean, you really did good. That, that, was, that, was, uh, that was pretty damn good. You could tell you were actually, you were actually impressed by me at that point. I was. The shine's kind of worn off another year into it, I think. But, yeah, you were legitimately impressed by me. Um, I, just, I mean, you went above and beyond. I, I was. I did. Yep, so that's what we have to look forward to this week. And, uh, Pat, I say we get into some picks. Let's, Let's try go. not to pick 34 golfers, because if we did, we would be picking more than half the field. Yeah, I think we're going to cut that down a good amount this week. Now, we say this every week because it is important every week. Ownership is key, right? So FanshareSports.com is where you need to go to get that ownership leverage, that ownership edge that you need. Um, Fanshare crushing it again last week, uh, and they've got new features. they got new features coming. they got new features already here, actually. You can get 24-hour tag trends now, so it'll just show... Uh, as the week progresses, you know how people are dropping off or shooting up from early on the week to late in the week. You get a, a you get a visual of kind of how how buzz how much buzz they were getting the week prior versus this week. You get historical ownership percentages, which are also very good. Um, so to show you how you know how highly they were owned on DraftKings the week before. So and, and then you get the the great blog write up from Logan every Tuesday. So anyway, ownership continues to be important. It will definitely be important this week because everybody's going to get six of six golfers through pending a withdrawal. So your only leverage is going to be: Do you have the six guys who are scoring the most, and, and you're getting you're you're getting that edge on the field in ownership? So that is huge for me this week. So ownership. And um, you know, DraftKings scoring, strokes gain approach, strokes gain around the green. Anything else that you want to add to that, Pat? You ready to get into this? No, let's roll. Let's, let's get right. some picks here. All right, to start it off, you've obviously got defending champ Dustin Johnson, and you got Justin Thomas, John Rahm, Jordan Spieth, and Tommy Fleetwood. Now there is a you know there is the whole Seminole factor as well. You got a bunch of these guys playing Seminole this week. In this top part of the field, you got DJ, Justin Thomas, John Rahm, all playing Seminole today on Monday. So they'll be arriving to Mexico on Tuesday. What would be interesting is if the guy in the Seminole hat was actually a member that got kicked out. I'm sure that wasn't the case. A member of Seminole would likely not get kicked out of a PGA Pretty tournament sure, yeah, for saying get in the bunker. Yeah. But that, that, would, that could be interesting. So anyway, uh, in this top tier, who do you like, Pat? Who do you like? Well, I got to say, my two favorites are not going to be DJ and Justin Thomas even coming off of his, his win. But I'm going down to our boy John Rahm at 10-6. I love him this week. Now, here's the thing. I do not believe you can make course history you know, a huge percentage of, of what you're going to be looking at as far as stats, course history, recent form, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, he did play well here last year with a, with a T3. He checks the box for me on birdie or better percentage. We talked about scoring, so that, that's where that fits in. He's number one in the field in strokes gained off the tee. So I think that I think John Rahm at 10-6 is, is a very good price. But my favorite guy, Mr. Ball Striker, Mr. has got to win one of these events here soon, and that is going to be Tommy Fleetwood at 10,000. He was second here last year. All the reason we talked about a lot of his, how his play was last week, and he 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 could have easily won if not for a not so great Sunday. But checks the box on ball striking. 
Uh, he's you know, greens in regulation, proximity with these small greens. He's been putting pretty well. So I think that Tommy Fleetwood of this group, and when you're looking at for a GPP, he's going to be my my top guy. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know how the GPP ownership is going to shake out in this top range. I mean, Fleetwood is very popular anyway. First time we've really seen him in in the 10K range. So I'm thinking he's probably going to be a little bit lower. Yeah, possibly. I like him too. I I also have two guys in this range. Fleetwood is one of them. Uh, Checking the box in strokes gained approach over the last 12 rounds. Like you mentioned, almost won this event last year. He's in great form. No reason to stay off of him. Uh, my favorite player in this range, without a doubt, is Jordan Spieth, man. The the form mm. is coming around. Checks the box in the last 12 rounds in both strokes gained approach and strokes gained around the green. He's top 15 in this field in both of those categories. The driver seems to be a little more under control than it was. He won't even, ha- even Jordan won't have to hit a lot of drivers here. But when you talk about a guy who's going to pound greens with irons, and find a way scrambling when he misses greens, it's Spieth. And I'm glad to see some of the form coming around. I, you know, played here last year, fin- finished 12th. I, I just, I love, I love Spieth this week. I'm going to have a ton of him. That's my play. And then Fleetwood. So I am with you there. All right, in the 9K range, you got Fowler, Rose, Phil, and Sergio. I, I, I like, I like a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Phil. Okay, I feel like last year was kind of he he played really well. He finished seventh year last year. He was all over the place off the tee, if you remember. Um, well, he had those sprinkler heads that kept helping him. Out. Yeah, he you did. I mean, he, he got so freaking. <laughs> he lucky. He found a sprinkler head on every. God, freaking he got hole. lucky. <clears throat> Actually, like like Spieth, he checks the same boxes: top fifteen in the field in the last twelve rounds in approach and around the green, but. I, I think I'm still I'm gonna ride Sergio again. I was pretty heavy on Sergio last week, a little disappointing. Uh, but he still even last week with a disappointing finish, he didn't putt that well. The putts weren't dropping, but he gained 1.7 strokes approach last week at PGA National, which is pretty high considering PGA National and what it was given up. So he's clearly still the boss. You know, he's, his ball striking is there. Um, Played here last year and finished twelfth. So I, I think Sergio is the guy I'm really planting a flag on there. And maybe, maybe after last week, and you know, he, a lot of guys were on him. He finished tied for thirty third. Not great. You know, maybe maybe some folks get thrown off of him a little bit. So that's that's my take there. Those are my two. Those are my. I mean, Phil is okay. I'm gonna have a little bit of Phil, but Sergio is my main guy there. What about you? Well, I think it'd be hard to get off Phil. Now, I don't know what his ownership's going to be looking out like. We'll check fans here on Wednesday. But obviously, he's a scorer. He's been playing well the last few weeks. Uh, so I think this is – and this is a course that he should play um, good on. So I, I'm totally with you on, on, on Mickelson. Ricky Fowler is interesting to me. I, I, I will I – will, I'm just wondering where he's going to be because I know he's obviously always a popular play. But, you know, coming off a missed cut – 9,800. You don't typically see him in a field like this, you know, under under that 10K. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm interested in him. I'll put it that way. I don't I don't want to plant my flag on them yet. But if I see on Fanshare that his ownership is is lower than than you typically see for him, then I, then I might I might throw some shares his way because I I could see where this is a course where he he can do well on. So. 
I'm, I'm going to be looking at him. Another guy that I, I, I just am going to actually fade is Justin Rose at 9,700. Really? Yes. Why is that? Fade. Well, here's the thing with him. If you looked at, well, for one, last year when he played here, he had only one round under par, and that was a 70, and that was on day one. Other than that, he was either even or over par the rest of the rest of the tournament. I just don't think. I, yeah, I know he's a great player, and he's probably going to be one of my top picks for the Masters, and he should be. But like you said, I think you got to plant your flag or take your flag off of a guy. And for me, I'm going to take it off a of rose. I think that he will have some high ownership. Uh, he's obviously always a popular play. So I think I'm, I might be able to gain a little edge by by fading him this week. So uh, and, and his that's and that's one of the things you can do. I mean, here's the thing: when you got a field like this, you know you don't want to play a guy. Don't play him. Just you know, just if you think that's the way everybody else is going to go, and I think a lot of people are going to gravitate toward Rose this week, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do the opposite. So there you go. You're zigging there, zagging. I'm zigging say- there, zagging. I will say last year you mentioned that you know, he finished 38th. He also lost strokes putting last year, which I like for this year because, I mean, Tita Green, he played, he played fine. He just didn't have the putts dropping. And we know how variable putting can be. I do think that's, up, that's in play with old Rosie. Um, it's just a good value for a guy like that. I mean, I think he's a better value than Ricky Fowler, that, that given yeah. current form and stuff like that. I, it's still, still though, if you're looking at if you're looking at recent, you know, as far as maybe like the last twenty four rounds on the if you're if you're talking putting and that's your point there, I mean, he's still not not really checking the box all that much. So. Yeah, I mean, I I think I still think my pivot play is Sergio here. I think he'll probably be lower owned than all, all those. I, mean, I think he's going to be lower. I think Sergio will be lower owned than Fowler, Rose, and Phil. So that's my play. Um, but, you know, the Rose call, I, I kind of get it. You, you, you're right. You do have to plant your flag on some of these guys. There's so many big names here. you you got to really get selected. Can't play them all. So. Can't play them all. In the 8K range, uh, why don't you start this one? Well, I think, you know, right there – Near the top, a guy that's just been on fire, and I, I don't—I'd love to come off of him, but you know, Alex Norin at eighty-eight hundred. I mean, he checks a box on approach. Um, if you look at you know off the tee, he checks a box there. He checks a box on you know he's been putting extremely well. He's number three in the field when you look at putting over the last twenty-four rounds. Um, so I think Norin is is another guy that he's going to get a win here, just like Fleetwood. Eventually, I don't mind that he's you know played a lot because uh, you know I'm fine with that. I think so. Norin to me is one of my favorite plays, and Paul Casey at 8400. I don't see how you can avoid him. Checks a box on birdie or better percentage, also ball striking, strokes gained approach. Uh, he's just. I mean, Casey is to me. I don't. I think that price is way off. He's the one glaring, that just immediately jumps off the page. Price error that I see is Paul Casey. And you know what? If you look at last year when he played here, he was he had he shot seventy four in the first round, but then over the weekend he shot a sixty six and a sixty seven. So he was nine under par over the weekend. That was that's just I mean, he would have been right there with a chance to win this tournament if it hadn't been really for that first day. 
So I, I like I like Casey at eighty four hundred. I think he's a great play. I'm also going to go right below him, Thomas Peters at eighty three hundred. He he was one of those guys I kind of came on to later in the week last week and and proved to be you know a pretty good play last year. He also at the at the WGC Mexico he had one of the only players. He may have been the only player that had all four rounds you know um, under par in the sixties on this course. And he was 11th in strokes gained putting last week at the Honda. And we always talk about this with, with Peters. He's obviously a great player, uh, but putting is a key for him. So for me to see that last week at the Honda, he was in the top 15 in the event uh, in strokes gained putting, I, I think that is a great sign for him. So an 8300 is a good price. So there you go. Thomas Peters. That's, my, that's the three top guys there for me. Interesting. So we've actually got some disagreement here. And I got one more guy, but I'm going to mention him later. Okay, I got some disagreement. Now, Alex Norin, I love Alex Norin. I had a lot of him last week. I, I, like I mentioned, I could have had a better he, he If he had won, I would have had a, yeah, a lot. Yeah, if he had won. This is his fifth week in a row playing golf on the PGA Tour. I mentioned now, that. He's played now a lot. Traveling, now traveling to Mexico, the, the risk of Montezuma's revenge, the risk of, hey, you know what? I can withdraw, and I'm still going to get 50 grand. But I don't think I don't think that's Norin. But I'm just to me Norin and Paul Casey because I think you're right. There, it's an egregious price issue with Paul Casey. Um, you know, you think about Riviera, who we we mentioned as a comp course. He always plays really well at Riviera, with the exception of this year, he didn't play that great at Riviera. But typically, a good track record at Riv um, is a ball striker. You know, great strokes gained approach guy. However, that price is so low, I think he is going to be extremely high owned. And so, not not that I'm not that I'm ignoring all high owned guys, but I am going to plant a flag on Paul Casey and fade him a little bit, like your Justin Rose play. I'm just going to pray that he finishes 64th or 50th or whatever. <laughs> um, and, and Alex Norin, I have ridden him and I love him and I think he's a great golfer and I'm going to be using him a lot more this, this year, but I'm going to try to get off, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to get off of him this week. And, and also like Casey, just kind of hope that he's going to fizzle and I'll catch, I will have caught him when he was hot and I will have dumped him right before he, he got tired. That's kind of my play with those two guys. Um, and I don't really have a ton on Peters. They, they neither. I mean, it just just didn't get me going. I I love Patrick Cantlay again. Anytime it's a strokes gained approach contest, I'm all about Patrick Cantlay just because of the iron play. You know, fourth place finish at the Genesis just a couple of weeks ago. A little bit of rest for young Cantlay. I like that. Um, one of my favorite plays is Tony Finau at 8500. Like Spieth, checks the box, top 15 in this field in the last 12 rounds in strokes gained approach and scrambling, finished second at the Genesis with 16 birdies and an eagle the last time out. I love the value here for Finau, plus you're getting them all four days, so you get the bomber um, the you know who can take advantage of the length when necessary. He's, gonna, he's got eagle opportunities in front of him. Um, there are some short par fours out here too, so you've got some you've got some chances there. And with him scrambling as well as he is, I just like the upside of Finau uh, um, a good bit. The next guy I like, uh, I'm, I'm going to play him in both sites, but Dylan Fratelli, uh, European Tour standout. 
fantasy draft, he's actually a really good value. Uh, on uh, on DraftKings, he's the let's see, he's the 18th price guy on DraftKings. He's the 29th price guy on fantasy draft. So super good value there. You know, we saw him come to a course at PGA National he's never seen before. Finish 11th uh, with some really solid golf there, and has just been on an absolute tear absolute tear lately um he has he has 10 top 20s in his last 12 starts worldwide 10 he gained uh 1.3 strokes from t to green last week at pj national i this guy's just an absolute stud you're gonna have plenty of guys who are who are in tight in pga dfs circles who know who he is so i think he'll be a little more chalky in the higher dollar you know, more sharp contest. But if you're playing the $4 or you're playing some of these smaller GPPs, smaller entries uh, with a little more, you know, uh, a little more fish money, I think you could get some ownership leverage there with Fratelli if people aren't paying attention. I love this range. Also love me some Kevin Chappell. Again, strokes gained approach, uh, checks the box there, and the scrambling number. Played here last year, finished 55th, not great. But uh, but I like I like Chappie this week. Also in good form, top twenty at the Genesis. I I just like the value. So um, that's uh, that's well. Actually, I got one more. Eight thousand. Louis Oosthuizen, uh, like Rose, played here last year and um, finished forty eighth. But he lost strokes putting. He lost more than a more than a stroke and a half, I believe, putting. But Tita Green, he was good. We just saw him play really well at PJ National. Um, top top twenty four had a rough Sunday, but I like Louis again for the value at eight thousand. We had him at seventy nine hundred last last week, and he was you know easy to play at that price. I think he's just as easy to play here at eight k. So uh, I, I'm I'm digging the eight k range for sure, which is why I kind of like the bottom two price guys in the in the five digit range in Spieth and Fleetwood. It allows me to have a little more uh, exposure here. So. Well, did did I name your last guy in the 8K range? No, you didn't actually. And, wow! So we're basically uh, well, on yeah, everyone. You, in I the think 8K you mentioned range. like everyone in there, but uh, <laughs> I'm with you though. I think the 8K range is is my favorite, you know, price point here. I'm surprised you didn't mention Ross Fisher though at 8200. Here's a guy. Don't who mind finished, it. Don't here's mind a, it. He finished third last year. If you look at his last seven events, he's got three second place finishes. No, he hasn't won, but I'm okay with that. He is a scorer. You know, he's a, he's a guy that I looked at some stats in, on the European tour. Is actually this this course, you know, besides besides being a par seventy one, it did yield a, a fair amount of eagles last year, and he is one of the leaders on tour or on the European tour and eagles made. So I think that Fisher is a guy that could kind of be a sneaky scorer for you. Also. Um, You'll notice I've I've kind of taken a lot of Europeans, and the reason is is because a lot of them said, especially like Fleetwood Garcia, that a lot this course reminds them of a lot of the the courses that they grew up on over in Europe. So I'm I may lean that way a little bit just because you know I've read a lot that has said that you know this is this is a course that just suits their eye. So I think Ross Fisher at 8200 could be a great play. So there you go. That's it for me in the eight thousand range. I didn't mention near as many guys as you did, but I think we mentioned every single guy. Yeah, in yikes! Moment. All right, well, I have I have seven more golfers between the uh, seven. I don't even have close 6K. to that. 
I don't even have close to that. All right, why don't you name yours first? You go, you go first. Name, name everyone else that you like, 7K and 6K. Well, you know what? I'm not a huge fan of anybody in the 6K range, so I'll let you start that range. But, you know, as far as 7K, you know, I like Pat Perez at 7,400. Checks a box and birdie or better percentage. We know he loves to putt on these Poana greens. Uh, his, you know, I think he's going to be relatively low owned. People are probably going to be off of him a little bit. Um, but you know, I, I, I do like some Perez. Um, and it's also been putting extremely well. I mean, he is in the top 10 in this field and strokes gain putting. So I think he will be a good play. Uh, I think Matt Kuchar is probably going to be, you know, may, I, I will be interested to see where he comes in ownership wise, maybe a little bit high, especially at that $7,600 price range, but he's hard to avoid. He's number one in the field right now in strokes gained putting. Uh, so I think Cooch could be a good play. Let's see. Um, Xander Shoffle is another guy that I really like this week at 7,800. You know, he should, this is a, a perfect course fit for him. We didn't see him play well at the Farmers where I was all over him, but then he started getting it back at the Waste Management and and then, uh, you know, a little bit at the Genesis. So I think Xander Schauffele is another guy that I will be um, playing a decent amount of. He was, uh, I'm just looking at it, he was T-9th at the Genesis, so which is a very comparable course, as we've mentioned. And a California guy, familiar with yeah. the POA um, surfaces. So actually... I agree with the Perez play. I feel stronger about Xander. I like Xander a lot. I had him marked. Uh, to me, there's three guys here in the high seven: Xander, Cabrera Bello, and Gary Woodland. All check the box in strokes gained approach in the last 12 rounds in this field. Um, you know, all hit the ball relatively long so they can scale back. Uh, Woodland, one of those guys I mentioned, lost strokes putting. It lost more than a stroke and a half putting in 2017 here on his way to a tie for 38th. He's clearly putting a lot better than he was at this time last year. And at 7,600, I, I think that's pretty cheap for Gary Woodland. I think he's going to be a staple in a lot of my lineups. Cabrera Bello played, you know, played great this past week, gained uh, almost two strokes approach at PGA National. 7,700 is a steal for him. And then uh, 7,300, I like a little juiced Luton. He could Ooh, be a, he could be a pivot juice play for loose. me. Juiced is uh, you know, coming off of victory two weeks ago at the Oman Open, um, where he had 24 birdies. He's known to be, you know, the European Tour has horrible stats, but he's known to be a, a you know, green and regulation kind of guy. Um, I just think 7300 is a good value for him. You mentioned the Euros. He's also a good value on Fantasy Draft. He's a little lower priced on Fantasy Draft. Um, other than that, I have one more player, really just one guy in the 6Ks. I'm not going to get too cute down here. I just I don't really think it's I don't really think it makes sense. If I'm going to go anywhere, it's going to be Dean Burmester. He is uh, $6,900 from South Africa, familiar with the Kikuya surface that you mentioned earlier. He is a bomber, so a little little bit of risk-reward here. If he can keep it in the short grass, scale back when he needs to, take advantage of his length on the par fives. I see some eagle opportunities in his future. He has not played here before, but obviously low ownership too, I think, is coming for Dean in this range. And another good value on Fantasy Draft, a little lower priced on Fantasy Draft than... uh, and DraftKings. So that's as low as I'm going to go. I'm not really going to not really going to mess around with uh, 
with a lot of these other guys. So well, I I actually if if I was going to go with a guy and that's in that six k range, Dean Burmester was going to be the one that I, I had listed down. So well, there you go. At least we can come to agreement on that. There's only literally three guys here that have played here, and that was uh, Vegas last year, Utah Ikeda, and Brandon Stone. So that's those are the only guys that have any sort of history here. I've got to mention, though, my last guy. I like some Chris Paisley this week. Not Brad Paisley, the country singer, because I don't think he can play golf. But Chris Paisley can play some golf at 7,200. He's been on fire on the European tour. If you want a guy that's just going to come, he's got to be low-owned. There's no way that a ton of people know who he is. You look at his last... Four starts. He's got a win, two top fives, and a top 30. The dude can score. He's playing fantastic. He went to University of Tennessee. I won't hold that against him. But I think that if you want a guy that's that's got that recent form and that is going to be relatively unknown, Chris Paisley at 7,200. People are going to be thinking they're, they're freaking drafting the Country singer, I think, but I don't. I don't think so, Pat. I think people are smarter than that on the whole. So I don't know, man. You think but, he's going to be? You think he's going to be higher owned? No, no. I'm just saying nobody's going to think he's. They're drafting a freaking country singer. Oh, I was kidding. I'm kidding about oh, that. Okay, good, good, good. Um, all right, let's get the one and done, and which I continue to just <sighs> f this up. Uh, I, I forgot about it. I don't even want to think about it. I had Russell Knox last week, of course. I had none of him in DFS. That's been my strategy is if I'm fading him in DFS, but I kind of like him, I play him in a one and done. I did that with Knox. I did it with DJ the week before. Wasted him when he finished 16th, which is just freaking terrible. Um, it's just not It's not been, it's not been great. Not been great at all, actually. So for me, I am, I'm going to go ahead and spend on a Euro. Um, do you do you do you want to guess on what euro I may be looking at? Mm, Sergio. No, no. I'm I'm actually gonna go with a guy who, like I said, I'm not gonna play a whole lot of in DFS, but I like him. I'm gonna go Alex Noren. He's been hot. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna play Noren. He's my one and done. Hmm. Uh, you know what? I'm going Fleetwood. Hmm. Yep. Okay. Going Fleetwood. I would have saved him for the for the uh the open, but I'm sure. Yeah, yeah but you can't save all these guys. And that's, no, that's, that's true. That's true. So. All right, Pat. Good show. Hope everybody has some green screens this week. Don't forget to tweet that out if you you get some green screen disease going. We'd love to see it. So tweet it out on Sunday. Wish everybody the best, and uh, in Justin Thomas fashion, I'm going to go out like this. yeah! (laughs) Boom! The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Got to get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay, and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
Get a ViStar Auto Loan right now and get the car of your dreams with no payments for 90 days. New or used, luxury or compact, classic or contemporary, with low rates, no hidden fees, and no surprises. But hurry, the 90-day no-pay auto loan is only available for a limited time. Stop by any branch or visit ViStarCU.org for details. ViStar, we never forget that it's your money. Federally insured by NCUA, all loans subject to credit approval. Finance charges accrue upon origination. Certain restrictions apply. Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for Dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make Dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet. And do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612. Craftsman offer valid through 619, U.S. only. Blink and they're gone to find out who they are without us. All the more reason we come to West Virginia to introduce them to simple things like rolling hills, secluded lakes, summer campfires, and we hold on to that feeling for as long as we can. Find your version of heaven at wvtourism.com. Brought to you by the West Virginia Tourism Office, the West Virginia Broadcasters Association, and this station.